Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, welcome to the Banging Book Club, a fortnightly podcast where we discuss books about sex and gender. My name's Lena Norms. I'm Lucy Moon. And I'm Hannah Whitten, and this month we read The Gender Games by Juno Dawson. <laughs> you know why else this is exciting? Because we're doing a live event with Juno, but by the time you're listening to this, it will already have happened. So, sad if you weren't there, amazing if you were, the mini-sode interview with Juno will be out in a couple weeks. <laughs> so this is one of those rare occasions where we know we're going to talk to the author. Yeah, so like, it's we... ever happened before. So Except for my book. <laughs> oh yeah, apart from Hannah. I feel like there's another... Oh no, I remember when um, the author of uh, Jess, Jessie Baring listened to Perv. Oh yeah, and I remember oh, that yeah. being the he first. Tweeted us. That was proper that was orcs. Proper I think I was pretty, pretty rude about that book. <laughs> yeah, but there was so also I'm pretty sure Sarah Bernard. Sarah Bernard. Sa- Sarah, Sarah Bernard. Bernard. <laughs> Sarah, Sarah Bernard. <laughs> pretty. I've been on a panel with her now, <laughs> but um, yeah, mm. she. I think she read, read, listened to. The one she about um, almost definitely did. Yeah. She's like coming on so my much own for death of the author, guys. They're all they're all alive and they're on the internet. Yay! Um, so that's exciting, and I think there's also going to be questions that we're going to have during this that we get to actually ask the author. Like, how often does that happen? I have. So, this is so one I'm of the few excited. books where I have lots of questions to ask the author, mm. and I think that's because if you haven't read the book, um, it's kind of structured as a memoir mm-hmm. style thing with mm-hmm. also lots of social commentary, lots of commentary on gender. Lots yeah. of commentary on social issues yeah. and contemporary things that we're all thinking about, the Twitter sphere, many other exciting things. Um, the subtitle of the book actually, I think, summarises it really well. It says, The problem with men and women from someone who has been both. Noise reviews. Hannah? I feel like you've got noise inside your ear. <laughs> that's a really good one. There we go, that's my noise review. Mine is not. Mine is, please imagine the sample. Uh-huh, honey. Uh-huh. That's a Kanye song. Okay. <laughs> like, uh-huh, we're not cool and we're not as cool as Lucy. Uh-huh. Yet again we are reminded. Damn. Um my noise of you is Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's my I love it. That's my was me enjoying the way it's written and mm-hmm was me agreeing with it. I gendered it! Fuck! <laughs> What that Did you? It was like and mm. what those supposed to be gendered noises? I mean, they you... didn't mean them to be. I think one was supposed to be like I'm enjoying this, and the other one was I'm certain about what your points. Yeah, my wow. uh-huh, wow. is all that was fucked. Agreement with all of this. Mm. Yeah. Um. So prerequisite, I met Juno when she was. I'm gonna have a lot James. of je- like I'm gonna yeah. jet. Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> so many pronouns. Yeah, I, I need met, to like. I met Juno first off. when she was James. Yeah, I think as my, my very limited experience, I think that's the first time that's that's happened to me when mm-hmm. I've met somebody before and after. Or is there a before and after? I th- well, I don't know. I think it's, it's, before it's, and after no. coming out. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Potentially, or maybe even her realizing mm-hmm. as well. Because I've definitely been friends with people who, but like I've always met them afterwards or before. Sure. I thought that was just an interesting point. I don't know if it is. <laughs> no, no, I think it's because I can't mm. think of anyone either yeah. who I've like who I've witnessed their mm. full transition. Um, there's Riley, who's a YouTuber in the states, mm-hmm. and I met her first when she was, you know, she was out as a trans woman, um, but she was still going by her birth name. Okay. And oh, then really? um, I remember the first time meeting her, her telling me what she was going to change her name to, and then a couple mm. weeks later, like publicly changed her name. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, but yeah, really I cool. didn't um, know her before she was out. Hannah Lucy. has an eyelash. I'm just reaching over to grab okay. it. We can continue. This <laughs> <I'm>, Lucy just like, <laughs> there we go. Got a hand in my face. <laughs> okay. All well, like tiny rainforest monkeys just like picking yeah. things off each other. Um, so yeah, so I think um, Juno sharing her experiences with us and obviously with the world is really cool. And I thought because we're going to have her in the room with us soon and get to quiz her on her experiences it'd be cool for us to share a bit about our experiences of gender here so i had a question bearing in mind we are three cis women we are so <laughs> cis <laughs> but, but, then, I, but i think there's also stuff that you can relate to your own experience yeah and yeah. i definitely it's something where it's like i think the world looks at somebody like juno and thinks that they're confused about their gender when actually reading her book made me feel like I like gender is, is also a thing that that haunts me and is a thing that controls us all. And I actually ended up learning a lot more about gender from her than she could ever learn from me. Yeah, Does that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, also worth mentioning mm-hmm. that a lot of this book is, um, I'd argue, quite political, like social political in terms of it's kind of almost like some mini essays that mm-hmm. create a wider narrative. Yeah, um, dotted around like memoir bits. Mm. So there's like a lot of um, whilst it is a um, like a kind of retelling of how Juno effectively became herself mm. in a way and found found herself and her identity. Mm. Um, there's a lot of like criticism of lots of things and like analysis mm. of thoughts and yeah. stuff. So there's like a lot. There's a lot of meat in it. Yeah, it's kind of like definitely. a columnist yeah. writing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Their, their life because there's loads of stuff on feminism, mm. LGBTQ plus issues, mm. um, the NHS. Oh my god, the little class bit about systems. the NHS. I was yeah. just like... Yeah, class. <laughs> a bunch about class, yeah. a bunch about education, yeah. and the education system, sex education, PSHE. Yeah. Even just stuff like, hey, here's some things we could do when we're finding out mm. the sex of a child. It was less also damaging. just so beautifully well-researched. Like, I loved yeah. that every, like, statistic she threw in there, there was just, like, a little footnote of, like, mm. this is the book or the... Like article mm, that it came yeah. from or study that it came from, lots of stuff. <laughs> you would appreciate about... that. <laughs> it's just good. I just admire mm. it because I'm like, that's what I want to be. Yeah, <laughs> good at referencing. But I think she, she, she <laughs> <the dream. laughs> um, yeah, I think for me it was like really outward facing. Like I think she obviously was basing a lot of stuff in her own experience, but looking outwards at how that would impact, like what she's learned about that, how that would impact social constructs. Yeah, I really liked it. Um, so to go off your, your question, mm. Lena, about our experiences with gender, the first thing that came to my head was that I always was a bit of a tomboy in mm-hmm. school, but also very much 
clung onto that identity mm-hmm. and like wanted it to be true and I very much remember I don't know primary school age like probably pre-puberty like wanting to reject stereotypically girly things um because I thought it was cooler to be one of the boys mm. like that was definitely something I experienced and then um I, not necessarily consciously but it just just kind of happened like maybe more consciously since like understanding what feminism is and stuff of like kind of being unashamed by the girly things that I'm interested in um and not necessarily valuing masculinity over femininity but also just kind of like Mm. not not kind of like being into girly things because I'm a girl and not being into boy um, so many air quotes (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) but you know what I mean like Mm. it's kind of I, I think when when you're at a place where you understand a lot of the theory around gender. You can be a lot more like free in terms of the types of clothes you wear and the types of activities you do and the, and the things that you enjoy. Mm. Yeah, because, there's a lot less hesitation, a lot yeah. less questioning. Mm. Well, it's because you've done the questioning. So then you can just go, ah, this is just something that I like rather than being like, am I not a real girl because I don't like this? Or, oh my God, am I too stereotypical because I like this? Mm. Like, you know, yeah. There's a lot of... Mm. I think looking back at it, for me, I definitely had that tomboy phase and I remember between the ages of five and nine refusing to wear a skirt like, and it became an issue at school and stuff and I was just like, I really don't want to wear a skirt. I don't mm. want to wear a skirt. Like, And I, I think it's because I knew it was a thing I was supposed to be doing. I'm so surprised by that. <laughs> like, Lena now. <laughs> that is totally reflective in your current personality. But as in, like, I'm just like, no, I don't want to do that. Everyone's doing it. <laughs> well, no, just in, in like the way you dress. Yeah. Like, I completely see that you are like a comfort person. Why mm. would you, as a kid, want Why to have your tights by your knees? Like, I'm very confused about it. You have to sit cross-legged all the time in primary school as well. Yeah, yeah. perfect. But then I think that's actually quite fine because you can squash the skirt down between your crotch. <laughs> yeah. And just be like, Poof, yeah, but and boys then... would always pull it up, and it was always like a sexual harassment issue. At the like, mm. no one wants to do that in year two. But um, yeah, no, I thought it was interesting because I think I did try and like more boyish things and I think there was definitely a phase where I was like I want to be a tomboy I've read about tomboys they seem cool they don't seem like they get as much rap they seem to have more friends um but I think also I was looking to tomboy stuff to neutralize the girliness like I was kind of like if I'm a bit tomboyish then maybe people will just you know treat me less like a girl I remember wanting to be the yellow power ranger Mm-hmm. because it was the yellow and pink ones that were girls, but I was like, I'm not being the pink Power Ranger because also the pink Power Ranger had to wear a skirt like mm. on top of the leggings. I don't know. I'm pretty sure that the pink Power Ranger <laughs> didn't, it was didn't have a skirt. <laughs> no, 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 pink, pink Power Ranger didn't have a skirt. But the pink no, no, all no, in trousers. I, I thought the pink one had a skirt and the yellow one didn't have a skirt. No, no, anyway, no. Anyway, I wanted to be I the yellow Power Ranger. <laughs> tweenies. Very different Actually, things. Were you Power too old for tweenies? Yeah, a little bit. Because I think about how fast stuff changed. Yeah, anyway, sorry, right, now we're talking about children's Okay, I, my question that I wrote down, teacher Lena in the room, um, what was your first experience that was impacted by gender? And, prerequisite, what was our first conscious experience of gender? So remember, the first experience that you might have experienced that was impacted by gender might not have been your choice, and also you might not remember it. Can like, I can how we much talk the about fuck with you? the gender thing for me? Yeah, go on. Was I? It all comes in conjunction directly with my relationship with my sister. So I have a sister who's two years younger than me. Um, <laughs> sorry, Hannah is just checking if the, yeah, if mate, the, the pink, pink power, the pink power, power ranger definitely has a skirt. <laughs> really? Yeah, hundred percent has oh, a skirt. Oh yeah, you're right. It's a mini one. Yeah, she's got a mini skirt <gasps> over the top of her thing. Is but this picture makes me think that the yellow power ranger isn't a girl. 
I don't know. Wow. Well, yeah, the but yellow, the Power, Ranger yellow Power Ranger is female. Anyway, yellow Power I wanted Ranger to be the Yellow Power Ranger. <laughs> okay. Right. I think the Yellow Power Ranger is also Asian. <laughs> yeah, I remember. What? This. But you never see that face. Are you kidding? Oh my god, the Black Power Ranger is a black man. Anyway. Jeez. Oh, 90s oh TV god. shows. Oh my god, black are. Are. Somewhere, somewhere, somebody's starting to write a brief dissertation on the theory of race as understood through the Power Rangers 80s movement. Oh, dear. I actually think that's already been written. I feel like I've met someone it's who's analyzed happened. the Power Rangers. Anyway, right, okay. Okay. My experience... You're right. Yeah, You're fine. right. Yeah, it's fine. Your experience. Experience agenda is entirely informed by also my sister because mm. we grew up at the same time. We're often dressed in the same thing. Mm. Went as a two. Um... Yeah, I was overtly feminine, like incredibly feminine, and I did not question it. My sister was also feminine, but liked different things to me. So, mm-hmm. like, she had like twelve baby dolls, which is a story in itself. Um, like baby what Annabelle's. Whereas I was like all into um, like not brat dolls. What they call Betty Spaghetti. <gasps> yes. <laughs> and I like uh, Barbies, and had the houses and whatever. And like, it never occurred to me. Polly that- Pocket. Yeah, Polly Pocket. Love Polly Pocket. Um, although I was only allowed it in my friends' houses, my mum wouldn't buy it for me because she said I'd lose it all. Um, <laughs> my mum was like queen spoil sport for like children fun. I wasn't allowed in Claire's accessories or the Disney store. <gasps> I don't think I ever went to the Disney store. I like to think abuse. it was. I like to think it was like a political statement. I don't think it was. I think she just didn't like them. The small bits and toys, though. There is a, like when my brother was six months old, I shoved a Barbie tennis ball up his nose. We had to go to hospital. <laughs> I nearly killed him <laughs> with a Barbie tennis ball. Sorry. Sorry. That probably Seriously. Peaked. Children are evil. That's why I'm not having them. Because oh <laughs> I know God. myself as a child. Imagine having me as You're a child. You're just curious. <laughs> wow. But yeah, so there was, this, there was this dynamic, but there was also... it was So my brain, and I, I recognise this, even as a child I was hyper-feminine, but my sister wanted to be more feminine. Um. So when we were gifted stuff, I was as... I don't know why... But if, if, you know, it's like pink versus another colour, Rowan would always get pink. Rowan got the girliest thing. Rowan got the skirt. Rowan got the whatever was the pink backpack. Mm-hmm. I would get blue or green or yellow or some other colour. I was like the less feminine of the ultra feminine girls. Uh, so, yeah. So it was like a... But even then, like, I so was So she was so... like being the hyper performance and you yes. were like, well, I'm just a girl because I'm near you, so... Exactly. <laughs> if we were talking tweenies, she'd always be that pink one mm-hmm. and I'd always be the, the like, other... I was other. Other girl. Other girl. Other yeah. Girl. <laughs> yeah, Rowan's the Is that most... what your memoir's so going to be called? Lucy, the other girl. <laughs> we're doing Power Rangers. Rowan's pink Power Ranger and I'm yellow. Yeah. Okay. So okay. that's that's how that dynamic mm. worked until we were relatively old, like mm. 12 and 13. Well, 10. Yeah. Like once you get kind of puberty yeah. age. Yeah, once we're... Once yeah. we're it's so interesting how, like, your siblings might impact it as well because I always, like understood my gender in relation to my brothers because I was like well I'm a girl because I'm not that (laughs) (laughs) there was was no real really masculine presence like my dad wasn't into like hyper masculine like sport no he was into cars maybe that's like Mm. as as my dad had a Volvo hat so I think that's pretty gendered (laughs) I'd hope that's pretty gendered sounds like Volvo though (laughs) my um first experience or at least first memory that I can remember that I was conscious of gender but now as an adult I'm like that was internalised misogyny (laughs) but at the time like seven year old me was really into football 
played football with all of the boys, um, was the only girl that played football. I was really good at it, and all of the boys were like, pick me, pick me for your team. Like, I was always captain, and I, like, held such pride in that because I wasn't like other girls Mm. and because boys liked me. Like, Like, my like status in terms of myself this is like all internal in terms mm-hmm. of like how I felt about myself like was high because boys liked me and I was better than other girls and Aww. I did boy things do you know what's really funny is I feel like I'm learning I can see how you guys have got where you are now from these really primitive, primitive. ideas of gender <laughs> well, no, because every, every we idea evolved. we have oh, no, yeah. every idea we have as children is like weird, very isn't primitive it? isn't it very simplistic and I can totally see how Hannah you journeyed through that and like, don't t- you took aspects of it, but you're obviously mature and adult, and don't pit yourself against other women because you yeah. want to impress boys. I'm just like I'm better than all other women. But it's like you <laughs> felt like you totally probably like see that. accessed yeah. like a higher rank of society. You were like I've infiltrated. Yeah, <laughs> like I yeah. But also I'm I, a girl, but an upgrade. I fancied boys. Like the first crush mm. I ever remember having was when I was like four years old. Mm. Yeah. So for me, it was very much like that makes a lot of sense. To it me. was yeah. like <laughs> yeah, boys. Um, I want to be one of the boys, but also. I want them all to fancy me at the same time. I want them to accept me and fancy me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Regina Witten. <laughs> That's beautiful though. Yeah. This, for the record, to show exactly how we are as people and we just were when we were younger, my first crush theoretically was when I was two. I would dream that I was going flying with this boy Tim and was deeply ashamed of it. It was a massive prude and would go bright red and never say like, stop talking about it to anyone who talked to me about it. Literally. <laughs> Approved since 1994. Tim, Tim, Tim was real, not just in your dream. Yeah, no, he's oh, real. Okay. Tim Griffin, hello. Wow. <laughs> You're like, hi, Tim Griffin. I think we might have each other What's on Facebook. <laughs> oh, you joked about flying together. Yeah. That's quite cute. Can I say yeah, my, first, like, um, my first gender experience mm-hmm. was my mate Fran was a massive tomboy. She, so we were born in the same hospital around the same time. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's my oldest friend. Then when we were about four or five, we were hanging out and she was a proper tomboy. But then I went upstairs and I looked in her drawer and she had a massive drawer full of fake makeup. And my four or five-year-old brain could not comprehend that there was a girl running about playing in trees with all her brothers who also would play with fake makeup when she was in her room. And I was just like, how? She's That doesn't make sense. see, imagine people complexly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's, it's interesting though, isn't it, that we're just like not taught, it's almost like our brains ha- have been taught to not be elastic about it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And just organise immediately. Because also, I was in a really weird part of Facebook videos, right? Like, that's like, <laughs> and I always get to these weird parts of the, where the fuck am I? How did I get here? How do I get out? But anyway, this is a big montage of like, of like kids finding out whether they were going to have a brother or a sister. And then crying or laughing, depending. So people were like, oh, you're going to have a brother. And they just like burst into tears. You know, like they always want it to be the gender that they are. And if yeah. they don't think it's the gender that they are, then they get really upset about it. And I remember finding out that I was going to have a little brother and being really pissed off and being like, oh. Yeah, I thought we were going to have, it was suggested to me that my mum might have a third kid who mm-hmm. was a boy. And I cried and was like, I will leave. I was eight. <laughs> I was like, I'm done. You were like, protest. Yeah, I only wanted girls in the family. I think it's really interesting that word. we've spent all this time talking about childhood yeah. as well mm. because in uh the gender games juno talks so much about how like those are such formative years mm. in understanding gender roles and what your gender is and and the what's expected of you mm. and everything like you absorb all of that from mm. such a young age mm. and you know juno is saying that from when she was uh, a kid would be like i want to be a girl 
Yeah, you know, and just like invented so... this alter ego. Yeah, yeah, for herself that was like that's Kate. Was Kate, that yeah, yeah, Kate, and Kate was like everything that she wanted to be. Yeah, and she thought that everybody did that, and I think we all had imaginary friends, but I think with the gender thing, it was really like she says that she grew up thinking every thinking that everybody wanted to be somebody else. Yeah, because she said yeah. that the moment when she realised that not all gay men yeah, wanted to be women. Yeah, no, that not all gay men wanted to be women was when she was like, oh, shit, I, I'm a woman. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, but one thing that she goes into in the book, which is just, oh, my God, it pisses me off so much, and I'm so glad she addressed it, is gendered toys. Mm. Yeah, um, 100%. Because... It is literally a marketing thing. I'm like, they literally just gender mm. toys differently, make a pink aisle and a blue aisle for profit. Also, I have a suspicion that like all of the toy companies are owned by Venus and all of those fucking shaving brands <laughs> and, like, and deodorant brands. I'm sure they're all owned by Shaw, so they can then go on to like in our later twenties, like sell us deodorant that's mm. a pound more expensive. Do you know what I mean? Like we're already yeah. being tra- trained to. I remember, like, having massive conundrums about what kind of lunchbox I was going to get. Oh, my God, yes. Pencil Same. cases. Yeah. What a minefield. I um, remember being going into school and really wanting to play with Canucks, and I'd, I'd be the only girl playing mm. with Canucks every day, but then that gave me an internal crisis because mm. I was like, but I'm a woman. Mm. What girl? But apparently, that can, like, what you play with at an early age really forms how your brain actually works. So when they say that more men are in engineering, it's because they've been trained from a young age to be in engineering. Maybe and I liked maths because my mum... Uh, got me to do puzzles when I was a kid. Maybe. Like yeah. jigsaw puzzles. Rowan is insanely good at like crosswords, anything that's like non-verbal reasoning in inverted mm. commas because she just did it for shits and giggles mm. for like four Aww. years as a kid. I remember a family friend of mine, they've got um, younger, their kids are younger than me and my sister and so it's like my mum's friend. Their oldest boy, uh, when they went shopping for lunchboxes, he wanted, I don't know, a stereotypically girly lunchbox mm. because he wanted it and his mum is like super chill and was like yeah of course you can have that lunchbox I'm like A plus great parenting mm. um, but then he gets to school and kids bully him for it mm. and it's like coming from other kids <laughs> because mm. that's come from their parents yeah you can't you and have, then everybody he, has to progress together yeah, you and then can't he just immediately goes home and it's just like don't want that lunchbox and has to get a new one. I wish because he's just know. like, it's just, I know, it's, it's an argument for less gendered stuff because, like, there was no middle ground. Like, I didn't want, let's say, I was, I really like dinosaurs, but I didn't go for dinosaur things because it was always very masculine dinosaur mm. stuff. Dinosaurs are gender neutral, as is pointed out very clearly in Juno's book. Mm. <laughs> like, who, yeah, th- there should be way more stuff that's not. There's really mm. interesting pictures um, that I've seen online of like 1970s Lego adverts. Yeah, that are really gender neutral and really exciting. Ooh. And then and then you look at like modern day mm. uh, Lego adverts, and there's like separate ones. For yeah, them. I know that this is a audio format, but I'm showing the girls <laughs> some 1970s Lego adverts. Oh, oh wow! Yeah. Got boys and girls in them. Because well, like, Lego is so gender neutral. It's like okay. it's like Minecraft. Mm. Theory. It's amazing. I Margaret Thatcher caused gender disgust. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if it didn't exist before, she was that. Like, maybe she, she caused, engineered it. She caused capitalism. Much, caused. I bet gender. she's not even dead. Yeah. No, no, no. But you could. I reckon you can mm. make a tenuous connection there because mm. uh, Mark. The, the reason why we've got gender toys and stuff is for profit, marketing, mm. capitalism. Margaret Thatcher. 
loved capitalism. Yep, and progress happens much faster <laughs> in economically stable societies, and she destabilised us economically, arguably more, especially people who had less access to education. Is when you this have why? a crisis, yeah, because when a, a, a country is in turmoil, often the... Um, <laughs> the USA. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. but what happens is, is there's a retreat to traditional values, and often yeah. that means men doing one thing and women doing another. Mm. Thus, Margaret Thatcher caused gender. And thus, Juno knows this but isn't allowed to because she signed a form. And that's why she makes gender <laughs> a real character in the book. And it's because Actually, it's gender is Thatcher. And she's the one who goes to little babies' cots and casts a spell on them at birth. And it, I know it, it's all making sense now, Juno. We won't so ask you to sorry. tell us because we already know. And then you get shit like The Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> oh. Oh. Guys. Margaret Atwood, Margaret Thatcher. It all makes sense. (laughs) We all knew gender was a conspiracy, and now it's it's been confirmed. (laughs) What is Margaret backwards, guys? I'm on it. (laughs) Grutamum. That's the secret password to a new world, and we're all invited. Amazing. (laughs) Okay, Margaret Thatcher backwards. Are you ready? Ram. I feel like I'm in a cloud atlas. Can I also add about um, my own gender experience? Yeah. Because I did think about it a lot, I think, when I got a little bit older, like a teenager. Mm. Not only did I... And this has continued throughout my whole life. Not only did I pick more feminine toys, I was actively more excited by the more feminine stuff. Mm -hmm. If it was pink, it set off things in my brain. It was like, I fucking love pink. (laughs) Like, there was something in my brain. I can see tiny Lucy like, I fucking love pink. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe... I, I learned how to swear when I was eight, so like pre eight. So I bloody love pink. Um, anyway, right. <laughs> Goodness, yeah, no. I like pink. <laughs> yeah, I definitely oh like. Gosh. And even now, I will. Maybe it's just that I like the colour, but I will veer towards more feminine stuff. I mean, if we want to talk about the pink blue thing, then we have to talk about the Nazis. Mm. Oh, because, yeah. Because uh, pink was a masculine colour, colour and. Blue was a feminine colour until the Nazis decided that pink meant feminine because it meant gay, and then you have those pink triangles that um, mm. homosexual victims of the Holocaust had to wear, um, and thus pink became feminine and blue became masculine. Fucking Nazis, man. Literally, the Nazis. <sighs> and now I don't want to actually now compare Thatcher to the Nazis. No, yeah, no. yeah, yeah. But yeah. now I've mentioned Nazis, we can tag that as a keyword, and then our podcast will get higher up in the charts. Everyone's talking about Nazis at the moment. That's very true. I was thinking about how. <laughs> should, should we just Thanks, throw man. in, like. <laughs> yeah. Neo Nazis, okay. we can add that. Mm. I had a bit through. that I highlighted. And so basically, this, this kind of comes up every time I'm talking or thinking about. Uh, gender and transgender stuff mm-hmm. um, and definitely a conversation that comes out a lot and I'm trying to find the bit that I highlighted here we go um, is that <laughs> often what we're trying to do in general is like deconstruct gender mm-hmm. um, and kind of say that you know there's, it's not a, like a man woman binary and gender is often like imposed on us and uh, sex doesn't necessarily have to uh you know equal your gender and um things like you know boys can be into girly things and girls can be into boy things or whatever so we're trying to do that we're trying to deconstruct gender and at the same time throughout this whole book juno is just like i want to be a girl i like girly things 
And so you're like, mm. wait a second. Mm. <laughs> but what's happening here? But she addresses it like right at the beginning and says, um, where gender gets interesting and a lot more complex is when we consider gender as an identity. If gender is a construct, a person identifying as man or woman is, in fact, aligning themselves with a fiction. So she does address the mm. fact that, like, by being a trans person who does... Um, so trans means, like, across. Mm-hmm. So in some cases, some trans people, it's, like, literally going across the binary, like, from one binary to the other binary, mm. which a lot of people use to prove that the binary is real and exists because trans people experience the binary because they go they reject the gender they are are so much and and really like the things that are associated with the other gender Mm. but then obviously there are uh loads of trans non-binary people that don't kind of like actually do like Mm. i don't i wouldn't call it a full transition but they don't like go they don't reject one and go for the other they kind of like sit in the middle or outside um but i don't know discuss isn't it it's just interesting to me i'll be honest sometimes with gender i feel like we still think the earth is flat (laughs) i feel like i'm in that point of history where i feel like i'm gonna look back at myself at 70 and laugh at myself Mm. do you know what i mean i feel like we don't fully have the language to be able to explain gender properly and i feel like we're all grappling around in the dark do you ever feel like that i always feel like i'm like oh i feel like there's something you know i feel like not everything is fitting together and everybody seems seems to still be misunderstanding everybody. And I I wonder if there's going to be a way of understanding it in the future that's more coherent. Because it, it does... That's confusing to me. Yeah. yeah. And I get what you're saying, but I'm also like, yeah, that, that is a contradiction. But then how can we... You know, it's... What I found really interesting about um, the way Juno talked about her transition was she did link it quite a few times to the idea of safety and passing and, like, is very conscious about that. Yeah. And And that thing of, like, I want to look like a woman for me, but I also want to look like a woman because it's safer than looking like a trans person because looking like a trans person puts me at risk. Mm -hmm. And then we talk about surgery and and facial... um, surgery and stuff like that that's really you know all of us are like living in a way that's that's like recognizes the kind of world we're living in and trans people are also doing that and you know you could think about utopias where it's like oh if it was like this and everybody accepted everybody would we have to do these things and it's like maybe not but yeah i don't know it's interesting the safety thing because i think how many like how many people to what extent are which is the average you know yeah. yeah, I try not to think about it too much because, again, I feel like it's a contradiction in terms, but it's not mine to resolve. Mm. It's mine to just listen mm. and be aware of. I think I feel female, mm. but that's just my personal experience, and everyone's got their own personal experience. Like I think, mm. I think more theory will come out, and I'm sure there'll be a breakthrough moment. Yeah, like, I feel like I feel in like, academia, all, like all we'll of this, like point. jumping over the binary, moving from one place to the other. Are we there? Are we here? Are we transferring? I feel like it's all very two D, and I'm like, oh, is there mm. a three D? <laughs> you know? Yeah, I think, so I think it must. It must sound. It still sounds confusing to me, even though I accept those. All those things can be true at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I feel like the last piece of academia about gender that has been like un- universally in academia accepted and is mm. used is Judith Butler. Then like, there was Cordelia Fine. She won the Warwick Prize for okay, some way. And she wrote 
don't know. Um, delusions of gender. We did it in our gender studies class, and it's all about the science of proving that gender's not a real thing. And then mm. that was like the breakthrough one after because ah. Judith, but- Judith Butler was the theorist who was like, huh, gender, props of performance. Yeah. And then yeah. then Cordelia Fine comes in and is like, lol, science, definitely a performance. Um, uh, okay. So that's the one that proved that. And then after that, <laughs> I don't really know. Then it's all yeah. been like social science stuff. But then that's both still, that's still two theorists about it being a performance. Mm. Nothing mm. beyond that about the identity aspect of gender. Yeah. Which is kind of what we're getting at here. Maybe June is it. <laughs> Maybe this is it, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I don't know. I feel like the this is a massive question mm. that, yeah, I'm I'm probably in my lifetime not going to know the answer to, yeah. but my personal, well, my priority right now is just, like, listening yeah. and, like, trying to be, like, as, well, being as accepting as I am mm. to everyone, to everyone, yeah. hopefully. Because yeah. part of me is, like, this is really interesting and I want to unpack this more and I want to ask questions and I want to be critical of gender. Um, And being critical of gender is obviously um, being critical of the binary, but also just being critical of gender as a whole, Mm. like all of it. Um, But on the other hand, I'm just like, I don't care. Tell me how you identify. That's yeah, chill. exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's like I don't want to overthink it because yeah. I recognise it's not my experience and I'll never understand it. So I'm like, tell me what you want to do and who you want to be, and I'll just be like, yeah, chill. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, Let's I go think and buy some twiglets and get <laughs> I think this is that needs to be on a t-shirt, Lena. Um, I think this is why I wasn't that good at academia because I don't have a. I think it's a very philosophical question mm. in a lot of ways, and like, it's something that will just be like. Mm it's like very abstract and will be contemplated and I was always like a happy to unpack things that I can fit within parameters but right now cannot fit this in a parameter accept it move on like that it's one of those things you can like I can see myself falling into a really deep mindfuck hole after like a bottle of wine at a party with somebody I don't know being like but if gender's not real then is religion even real because all religion is understood through gender so if God didn't know that gender didn't exist is God real we need to unpack all of this guys why is God male and if if gender doesn't exist then maybe the monarchy shouldn't and then we should burn everything (laughs) You know, like. Yeah. I anyway. Totally feel you. <laughs> On that's, that note, let's. That's <laughs> where conversations always go. Is do we need the monarchy? Literally, Seriously, had that conversation yesterday. <laughs> let's ask Margaret Thatcher. Oh, she probably <laughs> um, is pro monarchy. Was pro monarchy. Oh, it's good for the economy. That, that's my great Margaret <laughs> Thatcher impression. Okay. And you're always wondering. How do we feel? Um, Juno did with treating her previous male privileges because i thought that was really interesting yes Yes. it's actually something didn't really it did kind of occur to me but also like was something that in my process of learning more swept under the carpet and was like no this person is a woman i'm accepting as a woman i'm you know that's what i'm doing so i never thought about the whole like oh were there certain male privileges that she benefited from when a man and what can she let so also something i wrote down that's really interesting about that she says um she says that um, she saw Kerry Bradshaw and immediately didn't see the obstacles to becoming her and and goes, is that because of my male privilege? Is that a thing of like, oh, I see something so I can just be it. Nobody's going to stop me. And is that part of my privilege? Whereas part of womanhood is constant self-doubt. Yeah. 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 Oh, Constantly yeah. being like, I can never be that person. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to be Carrie Bradshaw at the end. Um, um, I yeah. think that's also interesting that um, Gino's, uh, Gino's writing from a point of of incredible hindsight mm. plus having had experience with being notable slash famous on the internet on social media 
with a shit ton of Twitter trolls. Yeah. So you really, I think personally, I don't know if you guys found this, that you really feel that coming through the writing is this mm-hmm. this experience and the preempting of people criticizing every chapter of this book based on privilege. Oh yeah, she's constantly like here's my point. Hold on a second, bear with me because she knows she yeah. preempts like all but of the But even addresses comebacks. the people who are going to do it, like, yeah. you know, addresses them. But also I think because an... of the amount of like shit that she gets online and just in general, um there was definitely a no fucks given. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I find it really hard to be that like hard on one side and I know we're having Firm, a, maybe? yeah but I know we're having a lot of talks online at the moment about like many sides and da, 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 da. and um it was really exciting I think to see Juno just go in this is the fucking side I'm on it's the right side like screw any of the rest of you i'm gonna try and convert some of you but Mm. also i recognize where there is no point and you're all fucking pieces of shit (laughs) like that's the like the Mm. tone i got from it i I was like oh this is nice i think what's funny about that as well is like before i made videos on the internet but being as in inverted commas woke as maybe we all are Mm. um if i'd read this book I would have been like oh it's a bit of attitude and that like that's a bit unnecessary da, 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 you don't, da. Mm-hmm. But thinking you're right but actually it's I now as someone who makes stuff and gets a lot of criticism when they're trying I, I think feel like that real... attitude comes from tiredness yes mm. exactly it's a I've done my best I'm still doing my best and I'm not perfect and I need you to acknowledge that for us to progress and for me to be able to express opinion anymore mm. I just need to be firm with my opinion mm-hmm. yeah so that people stop holding me up as a like mm. the de- the divisive voice on trans yeah. issues or whatever. There's a definite like I have to stop giving a fuck about pandering, mm. and I have to use the knowledge I've gained and the experience I have to share mm. 
what I think is the truth. And I really respect that. uh, Going back to the privilege thing, do we think that Juno learnt how to be that strong and assertive in her writing because of being a man and being raised male? Maybe. I mean, it's just one of those things that's like, yeah, we will never know. Because I like to I know women like that who are just like, fuck you all. <laughs> I do, yeah. But yeah, they're few and far between. Mm. But they're not, yeah, I don't know. I think that like... People think that we're like that. <laughs> yeah, do, yeah, I don't know. Whereas I'm I'm not at all, I pander. I did think it was really cool in the book about the, the checking privilege. Mm, yeah. Um, but then also checking her privilege um, in terms of uh, access that class access mm. to the um private care because mm-hmm. Juno talks about going private because the NHS waiting lists were so long mm. um but then also having an NHS in the first place here like she could have got that treatment for free um just for mm. waiting but like in places like the US you have to wait and you have to pay yeah I'm not about that life man no <laughs> also um, Juno acknowledges her privilege in terms of getting to where she is now in her industry mm. which is very interesting because there's that first there's basically a whole chapter on it of how she networked loads but because she was um a gay man people were really like receptive mm-hmm. to it and just because, said yes to every opportunity yeah, and said yes people didn't think it was pushy yeah it was and also within the stereotype of gay men it's kind of implied she played up to it a little bit mm-hmm. as like i don't know how many people I, I've met I've met a couple of people in our in like our respective industries who are like sassy PR people who mm. and I feel like that to an extent they probably play up to it because they know it makes them seem really friendly and like trustworthy and mm. stuff. Anyway, I don't know how true that is, but there's it a is. really interesting discussion of it mm. in this book. Um, I'm just having a look at the chapter titles and I was just like, oh yeah, do we want to talk about Juno's sex life as a gay man and how like? Oh my god, yeah, we have to talk about some sex, don't we? so in depth and yeah. I love the fact that she has all of those pages being like mum dad skip yeah. to this page and then you just turn again it's like nope seriously mm. please don't read on yeah. it's like, <laughs> oh in the book is it split it, up like that yeah oh so I oh, listen to the audio book what does it do in the audio oh, book it, she, he, she just says it um, yeah in the book it's like this mum dad stop reading now it's about to get saucy please turn to page 305 immediately and do not read the following chapters and then you turn the page and it's like <laughs> and it's just like the same like I do not I do not believe you have stopped reading mum dad I mean it seriously why would you put yourself through this and then it just says this page is left intentionally blank to fool Juno's parents <laughs> and then it gets yeah, onto all of the sex which is interesting okay so the the thing that came out of the sex chapters to me mm-hmm. that was the most interesting was Juno's theory about if you are LGBT in some way you've been taught a certain thing from perhaps media, society, parents, whatever, that you should be straight and you should be cis. And if you're not, you somehow punish yourself. Mm. And Out of shame. Yeah, and Juno's yeah. form of punishing herself was having a really um, unhealthy sex life that put her health at risk mm. a lot of the time. Yeah. Like her, her physical health and, and also her like mental health I think it's the fuck it thing of just like the shame 
I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I buy this theory, but it's interesting, and that's what yeah. she. Oh, I says think it's that, true that she experiences. Yeah, from my very but, minor personal experience, I'd say that's very true. Yeah. Although I yeah. wouldn't attest to like having the same experience. And, as you and know, apparently, obviously. there's also like, a huge drug problem in the LGBT community mm. as well. Mm. Well, she she mentions one night she goes on where everyone's off their tits on MD. Mm. Um, MDMA, pills, ecstasy. <laughs> For those of us <laughs> who do not use my yeah. personal terminology. Um, yeah, off their tits on MD in a club, in a sex club. Mm. Which is, if you know about MD, logistically impressive. Um, <laughs> but also, like... Yeah, that that for me as a scene is like I can totally visualize that, but paints a really odd picture of what a mm. kind of clubbing slash sex scene mm. is like in that community. But it, it made me think a lot of um, have you seen that like at the National Theatre's the Angels and Angels in America? Have you seen this one? No. So it's like a really famous play about um, like the AIDS epidemic in the uh-huh. US, and lots of the commentary on it is kind of trying to say if you criminalize like homosexuality all these other things are going to come into it. They're also illegal that you, you know, like it, you, it, it, you push it, it underground yeah. and then it, it, it opens, it then becomes a market that the black market can sell to because you're already oh, having to hide really in those spaces. Yeah. And then people go, Oh, gay people are criminals. And it's like, well, no, you've put like in the same way that you push you've a, criminalized you, them. Yeah, you criminalize abortion, abortion goes underground. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's, and it's really interesting. Like, and it links it with the law and like there's this lawyer who's secretly gay. It's, it's really good if you want Andrew Garfield. Yeah. I was going to say, is it all in <laughs> Garfield. Yeah, and I was two rows from the front, and I was like, Andrew Garfield. Where is it? Is that in London? National. National. Oh my god, I'm, I've seen I'm pictures. So it's pest and my cousin. One of the me. best things I've ever seen. Is in it two parts? Isn't it? It's two. It's six hours long. Oh my god, <laughs> you got to commit to it. But it's a lot of Andrew Garfield. So what yeah. can you do? I it's generally some of the best Andrew acting Garfield I've ever so seen in my whole fucking life. Anyway, not the point. Sorry. Right. Um, but yeah, no, the sex was interesting, and I think I don't know. So to me, it was just um, just from the perspective of her being someone in the public eye and sharing mm. something so personal mm. like that was just like wow brave yeah. I mean I know I've said brave and she also in the book yeah. talks about being called brave all the time <laughs> like, but I'm not brave. I'm not saying you're brave for being trans do you know I'm just saying you're, you're brave for sharing that much about your personal yeah, life in a book yeah. Yeah. and also but then it's all with this with a fair bit of hindsight she was talking about instances kind of before the age of 25 a lot of the time mm. yeah and I don't yeah, know how old she she's is got, now she's got like in her 30s mm. but I don't know if she's 30 yet but also mm. it feels like, um, I must imagine there's a bit of distance because it must feel like a, a different person in mm. some ways yeah this was a person who was really hurting the um she was called James right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah she probably they're all a part of her but feels a great distance to the James yeah that's character true. almost I'd imagine this is all assumptions. I think as well, like um, the like the description of her being raped, but not recognizing it as rape, and one of the reasons she cites is because she was a man and she didn't think that men got raped. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, holy shit! Like that's. But also, I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised if that scene that she described is just like a lot, like um, quite yeah. commonplace. Yeah, yeah, and and also commonplace that the victim is like doesn't recognize it for yeah. what it is as well. also the victim probably has many more experiences similar to that of those kind of dating apps and dating mm. sites i yeah, sound like a newsreader f- when i say those kind like like um grinder and stuff mm. <laughs> that like the fetishizing of like 
the trans body as well was really interesting. Yeah. And like talk, talking about how many like straight men want want a finger up the, up the bot bot. Like, oh, God, I that think was the phrasing. Or really as Catlin Moran funny... would say, going up Big Tesco. Oh my God, <laughs> yeah. Um, it was a really funny. That was really interesting. And like hearing her experiences on Tinder, like as yeah. somebody who is female but explicitly says like I'm trans. Have you ever come across, across somebody trans on Tinder? No. Not out trans, like doesn't say in their bio or I have once or twice in inverted commas past. So mm. I don't know. On the one hand, uh, you'd be like, oh, my safety, don't want to disclose that I'm trans in my bio mm. because people might swipe right in order to harass you yeah. or in order to meet up with you and then like, in, harass like you, yeah. physically harass you. Um, or do you do it so there are no su- surprises? Yeah, for the person that mm. you're like wanting to go on a date with, like there's, mm. like, it's a minefield because yeah. it's one of those things that you want. I feel like hopefully in fifty years that won't be a problem. But while you're in the in this world, <laughs> yeah, because that was something that Emily also talked about in the mini soda that we did about disabilities. Mm-hmm. So well, it was like about disclosing disclosing the disability in the dating profile, mm-hmm. and she said that she does that so that no one's surprised when she turns up in a wheelchair. <laughs> on a date and yeah. they're like oh I booked a restaurant that has stairs and no lift yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Um, which is like uh, similar mm. but obviously like slightly different kind of um, mm. situation in terms of like what really do you disclose on social media mm. just got a funny quote I was like do you know there's something really funny about having sex as a trans woman um, we've already talked about the objectification of trans bodies but it seems that these chaps who find her on tinder and want her to fuck them with a penis um, mm-hmm. don't even want most of a trans body. There is a fundamental mismatch in what I want as a woman, a good rogering, and what they want. Also, it seems, a good, good rogering. rogering. Oh my god, <laughs> okay. I absolutely lost it. So I fucking loved that bit because my boyfriend uses the word rogering all of the time and I'd never heard it before. And I was like, is this some southern thing? It's like, like, a, like, who uses like rogering? A, it's like a very traditional sailor man. Yeah. It's like, feels almost naval. Yeah. So as soon as oh. I came across that bit in the book, I took a picture of it and sent it to him being like, oh, the people use rogering. <laughs> the second part of that is, I haven't gone to all this trouble to be a woman in order to, in order to fuck men with a penis. Yeah. It's like, yes, <laughs> this is evidently a situation. Oh, no, I did like that bit. Roger Engelow. Poor Rogers in the world. Aww. I mean... <laughs> who was the first gay Roger and who who made him the captain of the ship? I would love to anyway. Roger Roger. Um, um, also, the interesting... Really interesting what Gina classifies as self-harm sex. Because mm. um, I would argue some of it wasn't. Like, choking, for example, I don't think is a harming form of sex. But it's not hard to choke in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, depends on the way you're doing it. But like, I think that's a very conventional kink mm. thing that you see. All I read like, it more as like um, when she's talking about that, like more talking about like like so self harm sex would be like having sex when you definitely know you don't want to have sex, yeah. or having sex with people you wouldn't want to have sex with, or having yeah, sex it can also be having unprotected sex. Self-harm. Yeah, it could but yeah. yeah, she just did this big list of mm. like of weird of weird shit she'd heard of and done mm. that had qualified in her books as like very questionable kink yeah. oh yeah because it's yeah, yeah what crosses over into like harmful yeah. but i very much agree with what she said about um uh kinks shall we say that are accepted are called preferences and kinks that aren't accepted yeah. are fetishes mm. um yeah. which i think is really interesting and I, I think that kind of stuff came up in perv which we read last mm. year yeah. Um, 
Like, I refer to Perv more than I refer to any other book we've read in this book club. Really? Even though it like, yeah. wasn't our favourite. It I don't think I even finished lot. that one. Taught it, me a lot. But that's the thing. Mm. I think Perv is very much like it gives you a foundation in order to discuss loads of stuff to do with mm. like sexuality and preferences and fetishes. I'm glad we read that actually because it, it came, even came in handy when we were talking about Lolita and talking mm-hmm. about like preferences there and like <laughs> paedophilia and... And then when we were talking about middle sex. Okay, something that I found really like, oh, I need to go away and think about that, was facial feminization. So like having surgery on your face to make it more female. And then immediately in my, like arguably trained female brain, I was like, well, if my face isn't feminine enough, and it's like like the surgeon was just discussing and like listing what made a face female, it's so interesting, and I was like, like that what? they can pinpoint, yeah, and they can pinpoint things. like the the kind of brow you have and stuff. And then I was like, oh my god, what if I don't have a female face? What's wrong with me? Oh my god! And then I was like, oh my god, now we need we've had body positivity. Do we need face positivity? And like, <laughs> and then I was thinking about like all of the people that I know that are women, and like, do they all subscribe to that or not? And then I don't know. It was very stressful. <laughs> Did you feel weird about... No. No? I mean, did I d- not I d- I d- I it know. didn't affect me personally. I think I felt weird about it as a concept. Really? I was quite... Yeah. I, I feel, feel like very I was quite aware it. of it. But I... So I've gone through all the... Any issue I have with my face, I've thought about enough and just got over. Because mm. I'm like, it's my face. Yeah. I have one and it does really good things otherwise. Mm. But um, in terms of adjusting one's face to look a certain way... Um, the only People time recently, the time. yeah, the only time recently I've ever been really alarmed by that is hearing about one friend who gets a bunch of face fillers and you wouldn't. It's not obvious. So mm. you know how lip fillers you can I think be I like, know which friend. You know, yeah, yeah. and and like there's lip fillers where you're like, oh, they've got very plump lips. Like they've got lip fillers. I had this realization that I might not know what my friend's face really looks like. Mm. That was scary. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then what's like really looks like? Because you've probably like what if like if I dyed my hair blonde. And then you'd be like, I never know what your real hair looks like. I mean, we've I seen do. you a blonde hair before. Yeah, <laughs> and like also there's people like, like um, our good, well, I think our good friend Linda Blacker. Mm. Never seen her hair any other colour than red. And I do wonder sometimes what her real hair colour is. Mm. Doesn't mean, yeah, it doesn't weird me out in the same way. But I think it's because a face is so full of personality and expression in a way that hair just like lies, mm. you know, around you. I think we're yeah. missing the point about <laughs> gendered <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry gang. <laughs> Not distracted by No, both. it's okay. But, but I think it is telling, actually, we've gone on quite a lot of tangents on this podcast being like, this is a thing, Da-da-da-da. and we're always referencing ourselves or other cis friends. Mm. Yeah. And, I, and I'm also kind of thinking like, how much is that relevant? Or like how much can we actually make those comparisons? I don't know. Yeah, I think we should. I just wanted to put that out there yeah, as we're questioning ourselves. And but then this I think discussion. it's also like there's there's not, in some ways, the the trans experience is is everyone's experience and nobody's experience. Like nobody's, we're never going to be able to know how Juno really feels or what. And but we can only relate it to how she's explaining it to us, and she's explaining yeah. to us in the terms of gender. Yeah, we're trying to empathize. That, yeah, no, no. And unfortunately, unfortunately, I don't know majority of the people we're around are cis mm. and straight maybe but mm. um anyway this is all right back to faces yeah um, i think yeah it's it feels weird to me but mm. uh, the i don't know juno's just kind of like a great author so even mm. if i have uh a uneasiness with the concept and the idea of facial feminization mm. the way that she explains it and how it affects her I'm like, I'm on board. Go you. I think it's more like feeling like yourself. Yeah. So so I think like if 
if somebody wants to change the way their face looks to feel more like them, then I can't, there's no way of me knowing in what spirit somebody's changing their face for, even if it's, even if it's just to, for them in their mind to look better, there's no way of me knowing their motives. Is and like, there you know, when, male uh, fe- masculinization facial yeah, surgery? Definitely, definitely. Mm. I've got um, a trans You can like widen friend, your jaw and stuff. Yeah, who um, had had something done. I don't think it was just testosterone. Jawline. But yeah, it was something to do with uh, his jawline. Um, but yeah, mm. this was like nearing a decade after mm. he'd officially transitioned. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, so anyway, uh, also, yeah. I was wondering if I'm normalising the reason I'm not, maybe the reason I'm not affected mentally by the idea of Gino uh, having surgery is because I subconsciously want her to look more feminine for her so she passes for me so I don't mm. don't revert to like being that person who looks at someone in the street and then like looks away like am I doing that because so it, I'm uncomfortable it, with is it someone for, looking more masculine uh, other people's comfort as well yeah, as, yeah, as, like, well as yeah. yeah I don't know it's, it's one of those things that where like in, how can we we it. can't know you know and it, I don't know it's hard I can't it, know, basi- you know. Basically, <laughs> I don't know. basically I think a lot a lot of people's discomfort with people who are trans is that it, it does inherently by nature question everything that you are and that's why it gets people's backs up so much because they're like you want to be a woman well what's a woman like you know like and, and then the basic and it, thing it, it's taught. actually amazing because it, it throws up all of these conversations that everybody has to have um and like by people being open about it and wanting to talk about it it makes the rest of society go oh holy shit and and she's she's right like it holds everybody it's got a chokehold on everyone yeah you know i also think it's interesting that part of her experience that she describes is is feeling less ashamed to be single and maybe attributing that to her male privilege as well or like have it always been used to that and also not having a ticking biological clock mm. or being expected to have a ticking biological clock which are things that in some like in some ways people call female experiences but then at the same time it's not really a female experience it's more like a it's it's the way people treat you like, yeah 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 and that's a big I've moved through it? the world from a very young age people expecting to me to have a biological clock and expecting me to have children does that make sense yeah yeah oh yeah the well i guess mm. i get it all the time from like my family Mm, like, I'm so glad I'm not like, at that point like yet. Like grandkids. Thank you, my cousin, for having a baby recently. It's put everyone's minds at ease. Mm. That's good. But, um, yeah. It's something I'm very aware from hearing other people talk about it that that's coming for me soon. Oh man, every time you're a bridesmaid in a fucking wedding, everyone wants to talk about your ovaries, and I'm like, it's not even my wedding. <laughs> that's so annoying. I can't imagine how annoying it is to get married and be so happy to get married and then have the follow on for the next year to 10 years of, so, like, you know what's next? Like that mm. expectation discussion. Mm. Um, cool that it's addressed. Yeah. Any closing thoughts? There's so much to bloody discuss in this book. Yeah. We've covered maybe thirty percent of the of the topic. Yeah. But and we've got Juno in a few days. Exactly. So oh, a question that I'd written down that was Lucy's idea was: Is this a memoir or a manifesto? Half and oh, half. Yeah. It's kind. Of, you know, like how how to be a woman mm. is very much like it's the same it's like yeah. let's go through my life and things that have happened to me and then use those experiences mm. to go right here's an essay yeah on yeah, this topic. yeah yeah that's yeah. exactly but it's it does flow very well it yeah. is a whole project like don't read it expecting it to be like um the more anthology mm. like it's it's yeah. a it's a cohesive yeah. body of work 
Yeah, yeah definitely, because I think really you don't read it like you would read essays, um, no. like picking no, and no. choosing. You can't do because that Because this really. is very chronological, but also uh, she guides you through the book mm. in terms of like, oh, da-da-da, but we'll get to that shortly. <laughs> or like, as yeah. we discussed, da-da-da-da. So it's, it very mm. much like takes yeah. you through it all. It feels like it's one thought process yeah. with yeah. lots of like... So many tangents. So many, tangents. So <laughs> so many yeah. stops on the train line. Can I also add a quick observation of I had no trouble like in terms of um I've only ever known Juno as Juno, thus mm. I'd never m- mess up pronouns or anything. Beyond reading this book, because there's so much of it talking about her as James, mm. it, mentally I keep misgendering her. Oh really? Because yeah. I because of and now I'm because like you're oh. with James. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I keep yeah, and it's very frustrating. I've, I've asked her about that, and because um, I've got a video on my channel of me and her um, talking about her new book, but when she was James, mm. and when she transitioned, I was like, "Do you want me to change the title of the video so it says Juno Dawson and not James Dawson?" And she was just like, "Nah, I was James then. Like, keep it." And mm. I think whenever she is referencing herself before her transition yeah she uses male pronouns from what and i, I know think most from of the her time. old books as well it says james dawson no and this some, is also some, known as June some dawson, have been Juno reprinted dawson. and oh, it really? just says juno yeah. dawson on them now yeah that's okay. cool well i'll yeah mm. okay um cool. would we have sex with this book um i feel like because it's part memoir this book is juno and and like I'm in a relationship, so I can't have sex with Juno. <laughs> and also, like, Juno would have to consent to that, too. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it, when, also, when the book is the person... Also, Juno's straight, so she doesn't fancy women. And I'm straight, so I don't fancy women. This so, is very logistical. So, I'm just, so I'm, you just have, like, a nice girl... Like, you'd have, like, a sleepover with face masks. And, and we would discuss sex. Yeah. Okay, you tell, you tell this book about sex. We would sex. talk about <laughs> rogering. Yeah. <laughs> would I have sex in this book? Uh... It's, it's weird because we're going to meet the author. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> really odd about That's that. That's why I suddenly just had a, like, um... But it's the I book, it's not you. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the thing is, they're so intertwined. This is this is a memoir okay, in some ways. Um, go for it. I would drink four Jägermeisters with this book, lie under the stars, and talk about whether we need the monarchy with this book. <laughs> That's a great and that, For me, it's more intimate than having sex. Yeah. I think, do you know what I'd actually do? I think I'd go on the really interesting nights out with this book. Is this the first memoir we've read? Because it has to be a girl. No, it's still fictional. Because yours wasn't a memoir. No. Mine no, memoir. yours was very factual. Yeah, because I'm just thinking, I'm to think of because people. we've read, because um, most of the books that we agree with or that we really like, we're like, <laughs> fuck yeah, I'll have sex with it. But I'm like, um, it's interesting because it is a memoir and we're like, we know the author, mm. we're about to meet the author. We're just yeah. suddenly just like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I endorse the book, thus I would have sex with it. That's fair. Yeah. In this, in this analogy. No, I feel like I, I just go for a drink with front this book. Cover. Can I just say that I love it's great. The it is very Have you seen the gift well. ad where all of the <gasps> yeah. things change? Oh, it's no. So it's like a and I think they should make like Juno Rubik's Cubes and you can turn around all the parts. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Thanks for listening to the podcast don't forget to follow us on twitter at banging book club 
Uh, next month, we are reading The Virgin Suicides by Jeffrey Genadine. Our first repeat author. I know, two times, Jeffrey. Do as well this time. To be fair, yeah. this is my favourite book. Two very so different books. Two very I different believe. books. Yeah. This, The Virgin Suicides. If you haven't been listening, I always say this every month, but if you haven't been reading the books along with us, this is the time to read the book like The Virgin Suicides. Oh my God. I'm, I'm very really excited, excited to read it the first time. So I always say I like classics and poetry. That's basically what I mm. read outside of, yeah, outside this. of this fun and games. So, <laughs> Yeah, well excited to read a classic. Yeah, ready to Roger it. <laughs> ready oh to my Roger God. that book. I don't know what it's about, but if <laughs> Actually, it's about Rogering virgins, virgins, I'm like, yeah. Ah. Stay tuned for in a couple of weeks where we will release the recording of the live event that we're doing in, with Juno in a few days. Yeah. Um. Uh, what else do we need to do? That's it, really. That's it. We don't have that much happening this time, I don't think. Uh, don't forget to... Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and Give leave us a, review. us a yeah, yeah, review or rating if you fancy that would be great. Tell us how bad we are at being good feminists. Yeah, and use the word Roger lots. Yeah, oh my god, yeah, can we have a competition? Give us Rogers out of Roger. ten. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> okay, see you later, guys. Bye. Bye. Nailed it. Oh, Done. I need a stretch. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.